Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Donnelly, the founder of How's Your Head Clothing. Mark, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You are, I was going to say the closest to home, but I don't know if you're competing with uh, oh, his name's going out of my head right now. Mark Canavan. Mark Canavan. You're probably yeah. just as close as Mark. <laughs> I think he's Kurahai, yes. Yeah, so you'd be a bit close. You're a tote, are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'd be just slightly closer because I'm obviously in Ashburn here, but uh, yeah, he just pipped me there. So you've mentioned Ashburn. That's typically where I start with guests, early influences kind of growing up. What was it like? You grew up in Ashburn. Well, I'm assuming you did because in research for this, I checked out your socials and we've got multiple mutual friends. So I can only assume you grew up in Ashburn. What yeah. was life like growing up in Ashburn? Any favourite stand-up memories? Yeah, well, like it was great. I really enjoyed Ashburn because obviously my family were from like Drogheda and Atboy, but they came to Ashburn. Um, my dad is a bank manager. My mom works in sales all her life. So they came to Ashburn. I think it was amazing in terms of growing up because... We're in the town, we're kind of in the country, we're not in Dublin. So it was like the best of both worlds in terms of like childhood growing up. I was very into sports, GAA, hurling, um, and golf were kind of my main three, which I played and play. Yeah. But when I was growing up, I tried everything like Ashford United for the soccer, the rugby. There were so much options and opportunity in Ashburn. And I had lived in a I live and lived in a housing estate. So it's just so it was great to make friends and like connections who are still my best friends and family to this day you know sure you mentioned rugby soccer ga a ton of different sports going back to mark kind of pre-15 or pre-teenager what did you want to be when you grew up always wanted to be a businessman entrepreneur always and like i've been kind of like either buying and selling stuff setting up small mini companies as cliche as it is, I had a paper around when I was like 11, 12, 13. Oh. Um, and then throughout school, I was always kind of the entrepreneurial type. I entered Alan Sugar's Junior Apprentice, got shortlisted for like the last 100, went to interviews in London. Um, and there wasn't like, there wasn't too much success in my teens. It was more so just like grafting and putting in yeah. work. I worked in golf clubs, 14, 15, 16, and then when the time came, when I was able to work behind the bar or in a bar as a bar back, I started working at 17 in the bar. And then I worked there for four or five years. So to say, like, a lot of people are like, I want to be sports stars and whatnot. Yes, I loved golf. There was an, a time in my life where I was like, okay, I'm actually getting quite good at this. But business was always front and center. I've, I've listened to previous recordings you've put out there and you've talked about a lot of the long hours you work and I do want to get to that but you've you've noted that your dad was in the bank your mom was in sales um was it anything to do with perhaps your grandparents did they have any involvement in entrepreneurship that got you into it yeah absolutely so obviously my dad is quite was quite in a structured job nine to five like the bank his dad was too very safe whereas my mom is really into sales and marketing she's very entrepreneurial she never did her own thing but her dad, my granddad, was like this really hardworking hustler of a farmer who did so much on the side. He used to drive buses. He used to sell turf. He used to cut wood, chop sticks, 
and then work on the farm all day long and provide for his family. So that definitely, like, was a, he was definitely an inspiration to me. I'm yeah. like, this man just doesn't stop. And he worked, I think, till till nearly his 80s. And then took, like, the, the like he died at about 88. But the last eight years of his life, he was sick. So he wasn't really working. But he still wanted to. And I would like to think I will continue and I will grow up to be like that and work into, as long as I can. Well, shout out to your granddad. What's his name? Uh, Anthony, Tony, they used to call him. Nice. I'm sure he's dead proud of you. Um, if he could see what you're doing at the moment as well. So tell me this. Why did you pick retail? I'm reading from our screen here, by the way, to see my eyes span to the left. Why did you pick retail and services management at DIT to study? Yeah, so in school, I wasn't very much applied. I, did, I always said to my dad that the leaving cert, the junior cert, were the speed bumps on my road to doing whatever I wanted. And for the leaving cert, I wasn't like a good student, but of course I filled out the CAO and unfortunately I missed out on Entrepreneur and Minute. Fortunately and unfortunately, at the time I really wanted to do it. And for anyone who knows the points, it was like 350 and I didn't get it. So I ended up taking a second or third option, which was retail and services management in DIT. And um, it was a level eight. And I was like, right, at least I'm in the door here with a level eight. And it was the best thing I ever did. And as much as I didn't want to, the people I met, the lecturers I met, my thesis supervisor in final year, it all kind of the stars aligned. And I've met my best friends in college too, who are still my best friends and still have supported my business like you couldn't imagine. They're, they're, they're good friends if they support your business, especially without asking for it as well. I, I do want to get to your current business, but I want to rewind the clock a little bit. Um, you spent almost a decade working in hospitality between the bars, residence hotel, Swans, Tato Park. Um, is hospitality something you think everyone should spend some time in before they, like in the transition of whenever they decide to end the education system to a real, real world job, whether that's entrepreneurship or a steady job? Absolutely. If I had my way, I think you should come out of school or college and have to do a year in like consumer based retail. So whether it's hospitality or in a shop, because the amount I've learned behind the bars, serving customers in restaurants, you don't learn it anywhere else. And it literally prepares you for everything because you can tell if you're in the company of someone, and they may not even be rude, but they, you can kind of tell that they've never worked in hospitality before. Or even when someone is rude, you're like, okay, well, you've never done what they've done because you wouldn't be speaking to them, speaking to them this way. But I feel like, and I say to my brother, he's never done worked in hospitality. I'm like, you need to get up to Swans or you need to get to a bar around here. One, it keeps you away from spending money on the weekend. So it's like, it's really like you're making double because you're not spending it and you're earning it. Two, you're waking up fresh. And three, you're going to meet so many new people, so many new connections, and you're going to be ready for whatever kind of life throws at you because the amount of patience you need to deal with either really unreasonable people or really drunk people is just, it sticks to you and it stands to you throughout everything really. For sure. But there's one more venture I want to speak about and it's your time in Milwaukee advertising oh. Tullamore Jew. You, you've called it your dream job on another podcast I listened to you on. Similar question though, what lessons did you take from your time in that role? Perhaps skills or behaviours that you felt you improved? One, with, with moving abroad and then two, with taking that role in advertising probably helped you when you started your own business 
Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I moved to Wisconsin. I represented, as you can tell with the backwards hat, I'm only after, that's only after dawning on me. Very American <laughs> of me. Um, so that's definitely influenced me. But that was a dream job. I was to set, represented the state of Wisconsin for Tullamore Jew Irish whiskey. And I had the most fun I've ever had. It was just phenomenal. I'd go back tomorrow if I could. But obviously with HUH, I love what I'm doing now. But in terms of like what I took from that role, because I was representing the whole state, my sales skills were increased dramatically because there was there's no messing over there. It is, it's black and white, you know what I mean? There's no beating around the bush. They either want it or they don't. And it's your job to make them want it and to help them push it, help them sell it, get it on cocktail menus, get it into restaurants, bars. So it made me, I'm quite extroverted, but I came out of my shell even more because to be honest with you, at home, especially in sales, I felt like, and I feel like everyone, there's a bit of social anxiety. You might think people are kind of judging you. But when I was over there, no one knew me. So it was like, you could just 100% be yourself and go hell for leather at trying to be the best you can at this job. Um, so it definitely developed my sales skills. But another thing I really, really take from it was the setup was kind of strange, right? So I had a state manager and then I had like a North American manager and then we had a brand manager. So there was three different bosses, but every single one of them were amazing. And my state manager, she's from the state of Wisconsin. Her name is Suzanne. And I just remember after my 18 months, looking back and she gave me so much freedom to do what I wanted, when I wanted, the spending money to do what I wanted, to implement what I want. And I'm like, I want to be like her when I'm a boss. So she, she would turn around to me and go, Mark, I don't mind if you stay in bed till 2 p.m. every single day. If your work is done and your report is in every, at the end of every week and end of every month, I'm happy. So it was one thing that I definitely have taken on board. And when I do eventually have staff, it's kind of like you can work on your own initiative as long as you're trustworthy and you can get it done. And that's, that's going to stay with me forever. H-U-H clothing, for those who are not familiar with it, take the time rather than me tell them what it is, take the next 30, 60 seconds to tell them exactly what it is you guys do. Yeah, of course. So H-U-H, you can see it here. You can see it here. It means how's your head? And we're an Irish-based mental health awareness clothing brand raising money and awareness for organizations in need. The idea started in America during the pandemic. Then I moved home, hit the ground running, and we've donated 30,000 euros since September of 2020. So in the last 18, 19 months, we've donated about 30 grand to organizations throughout the States and Ireland. Shout out to you for that. I am um, going to leave links in the promo clips, in the full clip or whatever we put this podcast to, to your website. Anything else, just drop me a note afterwards and I'll put it in. 30,000 is a lot and I know it's 10% of the, the total sale. Um, all I can say is, is, is kudos to you, but you said that it started in the pandemic when you were stateside. What was the moment that, like, was, was, there a, was there a moment that sparked the idea that said, I'm going to create a clothing company that gives a certain percentage of their earnings to a mental health charity or multiple mental health charities? Um, not really. So mental health has always been a passion for me, whether it's, like I said, working in the hospitality industry, both sides of the uh, Atlantic, because it's all kind of work a lot of play in america a lot of work a lot of play at the same time they're always on the job but they're always partying as well in ireland not so much it's not really accepted here to kind of drink and culture while you work in the bar but it was always go on the go and i noticed like a lot of friends a lot of close friends who were kind of suffering with their mental health in the hospitality industry 
who never really spoke about it or just never opened up about it. So that was one major influence. Also throughout the GAA, um, the dressing room is not really an atmosphere where you stand up and say, you know what, lads, well, I'm a bit anxious today or this is why I'm not coming to training. This is why I'm underperforming. And those two kind of major areas of my life that have been really influential that I love kind of sparked HUH clothing. However, I never knew it was going to be clothing. I was thinking of podcasts. I was thinking of everything under the sun. And what happened was one day I was just sitting in a random bar and one of my friends like texted me, huh? Like he's American and they would use that phrase a lot. And I, I just thought it was hilarious as an Irish, as an Irish person. We never say it. We never use it. It's something you see in American kids TV shows or Netflix. And the more and more I thought of it, I was like, it's really short and sweet and simple. And I was like, H-U-H. And it took me, that was the kind of moment where it caught my eye. But then it kind of unraveled in weeks to come. Like, and then I put How's Your Head together. And I was like, you know what? If I put this on a hoodie or a crew neck, people are nosy. They're going to ask me what it means. And if they ask me what it means, a casual conversation around mental health will start. And then it started to fall into place. Well, if I can get a casual conversation started with casual clothing, it would be casual comforting clothing starting casual comforting conversations and that's where it all kind of came from and it just <laughs> it went from there it's genius and one of the things i've noticed in the 15 16 minutes you chatted is you're definitely an extrovert and you, you've, you've got the personality that i think could make a, a future hit podcast so I'm, I'm assuming you're in growth phase at the moment based off what the stuff you've put out but when you do start to hire people and you can pull back on some of your responsibilities do consider launching a podcast because I do think you could go places with that. Um, the the next version of Brezzy, I think he does a mental health <laughs> podcast, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. Um, no worries, man. Uh, you 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 placed an order recently, uh, within the last month anyway. Twenty five thousand. That's a big order for for, for 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 a small Irish business. Um, I remember maybe eighteen months ago, I bought into a Diggle Distillery keg and it was twelve grand. And I hesitated over the button for a couple of minutes. So I can only imagine what you were like placing 25,000 with your manufacturer. Oh. So for, for this part of the podcast, I'd like to focus on growth. A couple of different areas. Yep. I, 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 I knew of the brand for the last 18 months or so, but you did this brand, the matter of kindness, at one of the places my sister works, that got my attention. Um, and it made me think of the quote of Zig Ziglar. You can have everything in life you want if you just help other people, enough people get what they want. So when you look at the next, let's say, 12 or 18 months in terms of growth, where are you focused? A, a, a couple areas that I perhaps have seen you expand into are random acts of kindness, partnerships, collaborations, Ashburn GA Club, the fire station. Uh, are you going to launch new territories? Um, online marketing, how's it been? I know that you've got collectively, I think it did the matter that over 50,000 followers between Instagram and TikTok alone. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always say I wanted like a sustainable growth model where it doesn't get away from me and where as great as it sounds that like you want to be as busy as possible, I, in a way I don't because if I can't fulfill it, then I lose potential customers, I lose returning customers. So I always said it's a sustainable growth model, right, which I'm trying to, trying to implement and continue with until I'm able to afford extra hands around the place. And like you said, in terms of podcasting, until I'm able to work on the business instead of in the business, and I'm, we're getting there slowly but surely. But I think in terms of growth and expanding, I'm always like, and as 
people say you have to spend it to make it and the random acts of kindness is one thing I love which I'm continuing to build a brand around and I'm going to kind of double down on because it's a strength of mine um I would think I'm quite a generous person even outside of business um whether it's with my time my money whatever it might be so with the random acts of kindness not only does it like make me and the people who I get involved feel amazing which from a selfish point of view but the messages and the emails I get are amazing like I, I would show my family and friends some and like you'd be holding back the tears some mornings or some days when you see these coming through and the next thing you know you're getting thousands in sales or hundreds in sales a video's gone viral or to e are on it whoever are on it and that's one thing in terms of growth I'm going to focus on because I've just noticed the more I give, the more I get back. And well, like I, I'm, I don't know whether you're big believers in like energies and how the universe works, but like karma, for example, but I just released a random act of kindness box on my website as a product because I've kind of built my brand around that. And that's how I'm trying to grow the business in terms of constantly giving. Now people have the option to give a random act of kindness box to someone in their life. They can send it anonymously, they can write a note with it, or they can send it to themselves. But in terms of growth, sustainable growth model, all based around giving back, donating money, and those random acts of kindness, really. Uh, I, I mentioned here that I first came across the business probably 18 months ago or so. And it was uh, a girl that I went to school with I can only imagine you left a package in her tote somewhere, but she picked it up and photographed it. And it, well, I was in two or three different WhatsApp groups where this picture was shared around saying, this is genius marketing. So you hit our, I'm assuming you're roughly 27, 28 years old like I am. Yeah. You hit my demographic in her tote that morning. Within two hours, I'd say a couple of hundred people had, had heard about you. And I can only imagine their families were sharing it amongst that WhatsApp group. Um, so it's, it's, it's a phenomenal strategy. Considering that you're in the early stages of building the business, there's many blind spots. And I know you referenced earlier on that your junior and leaving certificate were like road bumps. But think of there's plenty of road bumps that you could come across along the way as running a business. Is there one road bump that you've met along the way since you started the business that you didn't expect? And if so, how did you deal with it or overcome it? In terms of what I didn't didn't expect, um, to be honest, there's a few things that I I'm quite harsh on myself, to be honest with you, right? So my expectations are always very very high, and I think one of the major road bumps and kind of realizations was I wasn't self aware enough to realize I cannot do everything. So, like I said, 16, 17, 18 hour days are not sustainable. And here's me talking about a sustainable growth model. But last year I was putting these in and then six months later I was burnt out and I needed like two or three weeks off. So I think the biggest eye opener was that you need to surround yourself with people who are better than you of what you're not good at. So for example, my dad does my bookkeeping and then my friend is my accountant. So I'm just not good at that side of the business. I know what I spend. I know what I, what's coming in, but I am really, really not good at actually kind of knuckling down and doing that. So I need the help. Um, I have another friend who does all my videography photography. As of from last week, I have a crowd who run my social media ads. Nice. But, for, but for a lot of that time, obviously a lot of these things cost money. But for a lot of the first 12 to 14, 15 months, I was doing it all. 
and I kind of learned the hard way. I burnt out. It got too much for me at like May, June of last year. Um, but that is something that I work on a lot because I hold myself to really high standards in the sense that everything I do in the day, whether it's exercising, personal time, family time, work-related work, <laughs> everything. But I've not, I've kind of had to learn the hard way to rein it in a little and ask for help and not try to do it all yourself. What's your favorite part of running the business? Oh, the marketing. Love it. I would spend hours on the phone scrolling through social media and I'm like, well, there's someone copying something I've done or I might see an idea and draw some inspiration. I'm like, I have a million things going on in my head at once. If I had the money to do them all, it'd be nearly like Paddy Power in the sense that it's just so out there and crazy. Like, <laughs> and I just have all, like you saw, I did one in UCD where I just gave away hundreds of hats and um, the random acts of kindness boxes themselves or any sort of kind of fun, quirky marketing strategy that I've noticed that people aren't doing as well as they should be or that they're just not doing at all. I love to kind of throw my hat in the ring and put my spin on it. It's one of the great greatest compliments you can get when someone copies an idea that you've created uh, and doesn't tell you about it either. <laughs> oh, it's happened a few times now and I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm sure it has. Um, I, I read about some of the backlash you got off giving only 10% of your profits away and my head was exploding being like, do they expect this guy to run a business and like not have to pay any expenses? Like, that's <laughs> crazy. But then the likes of, you know, Simon Cowell will get credited for donating money to charity, but it's only like 2% of the profits as well, which is even less than what you give. So it, anyway, I'll move on from that. A couple more questions for you. Have you got a definition of what success means to you? I do, and I don't. So if you ask me this question 12 months ago, I would have said it's building this huge, huge brand that's really, really successful, lots of money in the bank. And like what we just spoke about and kind of pulling it back a bit, asking for help and becoming more self-aware. In the business I'm in, success is literally just being happy and having some time to spend with your family and friends. And I think, don't get me wrong, I'm not naive. You need money as well. Money is definitely a great help to finding the time, creating the time and enjoying it with family and friends. And maybe one day HOH might put me into that position. But for now, success just like looks like kind of being happy and taking care of yourself both physically and mentally because we all deal with a lot of demons and our mental health on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, no matter who you are. And I say this, one thing I say in most podcasts, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from or how many zeros you have in your bank account. Doesn't matter what religion you are, what sort of culture you are, where you're from, mental health's universal. Social anxiety, normal anxiety, depression, ADHD, whatever it might be, OCD, you can't escape it. So success looks to me, it's not perfect, of course. Our mental health never will be, but happiness and taking care of your mental and physical health is just one thing that is the top of my list. Final question for you, Mark. Um if you were in charge of the education system and adding a new mandatory subject to the curriculum for secondary school, what would it be and why? 12 months in the hospitality industry. <laughs> <laughs> An internship in the hospitality and you'll learn more than you'll ever learn in school, in college, throughout any education. You learn how to deal with people's sales, consumer skills, dealing with customers on a daily basis, handling cash. 
whether whatever it might be, you just take on so much responsibility um, and you'll mature so, so much. I also think I need to throw in, obviously, of course, more education around mental health, feelings, uh, ADHD, depression, suicide. Of course, that goes without saying in my line of business. But I just really, really think the hospitality industry has it sculpted me into who I am. It's created my personality. It's helped me. It's motivated me. And it's, it's, it's kept me and made me who I am, to be honest. There's a fantastic book I'm going to send you after we finish recording that, that I think you ought to read all around the future generation uh, and attention and mental health. Uh, it's been one of the best books I've read over the last 18 months. But aside from that, uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast today, Mark. I, I purchased my first bit of... Uh, H2H clothing today. Yeah, so the Gile, the body warmer. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll leave links to your website and your socials below whether you're listening or watching to this. But thanks again for being my guest and I wish you continued success. Thank you very much, Rain. I had a, that was great. Have so much fun. Beautiful morning. Get a sun in my morning bed.